Hey everyone, welcome to City Church OTR's Sermons Podcast. Here you will find all of the sermons and teachings that are given at our Sunday services. We also have our original City Church OTR podcast, which has more conversations, interviews, and more interactive content. As always, we would love to meet you. Check out our Instagram to see what we're doing this week and our website, citychurchotr.com, to meet one of our pastors. Enjoy. That was really good. Not just the intro, actually the, the stuff he said before that. I, uh, I want to echo, say amen, say we can do this family. We can like engage with such a difficult, polarizing subject, and we can do it in such a way that like we're still friends after this. And, uh, and I, I know, so recording the podcast was not something I was excited about until I did it, and then it was actually more fun than I thought. Uh, but afterwards, it did give me a little bit of hope because I wish things weren't the way that they were. I wish things were a little bit more calm. Um, but the one opportunity that we do have is to be a little bit more like Jesus. And uh, there's a theme in the Bible where Jesus, the darker things get, the brighter that light is. There's also a quote in Fast and Furious about that as well. But the darker things are, actually the brighter that light appears to be. And so that is the one at least the one positive I'm seeing is in the midst of like a really probably um, polarizing week or two or God help us three, um, we can still be a light and we can actually engage civilly and, uh, and we can show the world that we are different. We have opinions. We're not just going to lay down, but we have opinions, but we have them in such a respectful way. So I'm mostly not excited, but there is a part of me that's a little bit excited because we get that opportunity. Um, okay, so there is an old German idiom didn't see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> Old German idiom that, uh, and you've probably heard it, it's from the 1500s, that said, uh, when you throw out, don't throw out the baby with the, the bathwater. Okay. And as I think, uh, it turns out that's not true, like no one ever did that, but there was the thought, this has nothing to do with the sermon, if you're going to tune out for anything, it's right now. Um, but there was this thought, because back in the 1500s, as you know, you bathed like three, four, five times a year. And there was this thought that as you started with oldest all the way down to youngest, there was a chance that you could actually lose the youngest, the baby, in the bathwater, which is just terrible parenting and probably not possible. There's no recorded instance of that ever happening. But the idiom carried on, and the idea was there are some things, and I love that because this is a church that holds so many things in tension, there are some things that are worth keeping while there's other things in that same mix that are worth throwing out, and that is... If there's any German idiom that I feel like describes hearing God, it's that one. It's this idea of like hearing God, if I could make a case really quick for why we shouldn't try to hear God, I'm then going to hopefully make a case for uh, that's even better for why we should. But there are plenty of reasons why people try to not hear God's voice. Or there's plenty of reasons why the world would think like this is crazy, this is insane, it's caused so many problems. I mean, hearing God, and this is just true, hearing God has caused wars. Hearing God has caused wars. It has um, justified to people some of the injustices that they've held. It has caused division in family. It's caused false religions. Hearing God has caused false religions. Hearing God actually uh, helped me dump the same girl, freshman, sophomore, and junior year of college. Just one after, I mean, it's the same girl. I don't know why she kept getting back with me, but every time I was like, oh, I feel like God's leading us to break up. So hearing God 
you wish you would have, God would have spoken to her to stop dating him. Um, so hearing God has actually caused quite a few problems. And, uh, and people that have heard God incorrectly, but the same as that German idiom, there are things, there's gold, there's a baby in there that we don't want to throw out because we actually want to hear God's voice. Like hearing God's voice has to be one of the central things that we as Christians are marked by. But there's things swirling around there that we don't necessarily need to keep. So um, there are two things that I want to, as we are a brand new church and we're pursuing God's voice um, and we're pursuing the things of God, there's two parts that I want to say even before we get into like scripture and content that uh, are going, will mark us as a church as we pursue God's voice and it's accountability and integrity. So we, we don't want to hear God's voice, or we don't want to be a prophetic, if you are familiar with that language. You don't want to be that kind of community if we're not also operating with accountability and integrity. So accountability, you can't just say anything you want and then say, look how spiritual I am. Um, if you're a gun person, we want to be more like a sniper in hearing God's voice, not a shotgun, and just throwing out prophetic words everywhere, and then one of them hits, and you're like, look, I'm a prophet. Not the kind of church, not the kind of Christian that we want to be. We want to really get good at, like, how do we hear God's voice, and how do we operate in that? We want to have accountability. And the second thing that we want to do is we want to have integrity. And so if God speaks something, we don't want to just say, like, I'm not for that one. I am for that, what he said over there, but I'm not for that, because sometimes God's going to say hard things. Sometimes God's going to speak in conviction. Sometimes God's going to uh, say something that's not super encouraging, it's always going to point to Jesus, but it might not always be like the most uh, butterflies and rainbow thing you've heard. And so in having accountability and integrity, we want to operate with, with some real solid guidelines of like, what's it mean to be a prophetic or uh, of a church that hears God's voice? But those are the two things that we want to do. And if you want to be regarded as spiritual at the end of today, then here's what you should do. Quick tip. You should get the most elaborate picture, story, vision that you have for someone. And, uh, and maybe at the end of the day, then you'll be regarded as spiritual. But if you want to be regarded as spiritual for a lifetime, if you want to really know God more and more and more, we want to operate with these things because people start to sniff out like, hey, this isn't a show. You're doing this more for you than you are for the benefit of God. And so we want to be those people. Uh, we want to be those people. And we know that people have gotten it wrong. We're aware of that. Uh, it's not worth, though, throwing out the whole thing. Babies are worth it. We're going to keep the baby, but we're just going to throw out the bathwater. And uh, I love this. When we talked about planning like a Holy Spirit series, I was like, give me hearing God, give me hearing God, because I just love this topic, have so many notes, so many ideas, so many stories. And now I almost regret it because like, I've had to take all the things I want to say down to here so that we're not here till like 2. So here's what I'll say, because I'm giving... like a snippet of some of the things I've learned or some of the things I've read, but three big books that I would say. If you're a reader, write these down. These are great books for how to hear God. Number one, it's my, probably my favorite book in the world, Is That Really You, God? by Lauren Cunningham. So Lauren Cunningham started Youth with a Mission, YWAM. It's like the biggest missions agency in the world, and he did it just by operating and hearing God's voice. And it's a crazy story. It's, it's a really fun read. I, I read it, actually, the whole book on my honeymoon, so... Leave that there. And uh, number two is uh, really well-named. It's called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. Really thoughtful. This is a more thoughtful approach to, like, how do we practically hear God? And uh, it's just called Hearing God, Dallas Willard. And then number three is um, 
it's, it's a more broad book about just being creative with God, but it's called Dreaming with God, and it's by Bill Johnson. So those three books, all three great, they're different, but uh, I've read a lot of, or I've read all three of those, and there's just not enough time, unless you guys tell me I can go till two, there's just not a, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> all right, let's read the best book I've actually read on uh, hearing God's voice. Let's go to the Bible. John 10, so cheesy, I'm so sorry. John 10, this is a conversation Jesus is having, uh, and we're going to read verses 3 through 5. That's the main thing. I'm also going to read verses 20, verse 27. It says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. And then verse 27 my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And so in John 10, in this whole thing about Jesus saying, look, I'm the shepherd, and the sheep, that's us, hear my voice. In this whole thing, I want to answer two big questions this morning. There's so many questions we could answer, but two big questions is one, <clears throat> how do we practice hearing God? How do we practice this like John 10 thing without starting a war or more than likely hurting someone or hurting ourselves? How do we do this in a helpful way? And then the second question, and this is what we should be asking at the end of every Sunday or house group, is how does this change my life? How does uh, hearing God's voice actually change my day-to-day being? I don't want to just know more facts, but I want it to help me look more like Jesus. So those are the two questions we're going to try to answer, and I need help, so I'm going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to come, and we're going to ask that he would speak through me and to you guys. Holy Spirit, would you come? Um, yeah, I love, love this topic, Lord. I love your voice. Um, I want to get better at it, but there is so much to say. God, would you use um, these next few minutes? Would you uh, say the things that need to be said? Throw out the things um, that are not. And I pray that each one of us would hear your voice and that we would uh, cultivate a desire to hear your voice more and more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, okay, so the big, uh, if those are the two questions, I'm going to focus on how does this change our everyday life? Um, so I've come from like a little bit more of a, a charismatic or prophetic community when we lived in Vegas and, uh, and really did a good job of operating in that like integrity accountability piece. But we're going to talk more about maybe those spiritual gifts that like how to get a prophetic word on November 14th. So here's a plug, November 14th. It's going to be here at 9 a.m. It's a Saturday. Uh, this is going to be this morning more about like just normal life. How do we operate in hearing God's voice? But if you're interested in those kinds of things, uh, it's come Holy Spirit here at 9 a.m. And I'm very, we don't, I don't love events. Our staff can attest like, I hate events. I don't want to have events ever unless they're going to be really, really good. And we feel like this could actually be a really, really good event. So uh, if I'm going to be there, you know it's good. Or at least they're making me. But this one actually is going to be really good. Um, so this isn't a prophetic thing. It's not a Christian thing. Hearing God's voice is just a Christian. Uh, it, it's not a charismatic thing. It's a Christian thing. In John 5:19, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself unless he sees the Father doing it. For whatever the Father does... The son also does. <clears throat> and so there's this crazy theological concept, and uh, Tyler hit on it in Philippians 2, where Jesus, fully God and fully man, comes to earth, still fully God, but he starts to limit some of what he does here. 
Okay, so he's not any less God, but he starts to limit those things. And so Jesus, the way that he operated in the most effective, the most uh, productive, the most spiritual life ever, although he limited some of his godness, was that he is constantly in relationship with the Father. He's constantly saying, anything that he's saying, anything that he's doing, I'm doing as well. And if Jesus needed to live that way, how much more do you think that we do? How much more do we need to be attuned to God's voice? And so this is in your notes. We're going to start with the who. Who can hear God's voice? And it says only blank can hear the voice of God. If you have a pen, I want you to write in there, only everyone can hear the voice of God. I know. So cheesy again, not even grammatically correct, but I wanted to I wanted to let it hang there for a second. Who is it? Actually, everyone can hear the voice of God. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, you have like full access. It says in, uh, I think it says in Ephesians that we can come to the throne with freedom and confidence. So like you've got an all access pass, you're an heir to the throne, you can go to God whenever. But we hear stories all the time of people who don't know Jesus that God speaks to them. And so everyone can hear the voice of God. And uh, in the New Testament, like two minutes of nerding out, okay, this is for you, two minutes of nerding out, there are two words, so we know the New Testament was written in Greek, there are two words for word in the New Testament. So when you open up your Bible, um, assuming it's in English, it's, it says W-O-R-D, if you were to open up a Greek Bible, <clears throat> it's possible that it would say logos, or it would say rhema, because there are two words for the word uh, word in that first language. So logos is more of that like steady, stable, written word of God. That's the Bible. And so there are instances where like, yeah, that's just not going to change. Uh, in Acts 8, it says the disciples went everywhere preaching the, the logos, the, the word. And so they're preaching something that's not changing. It's not like Peter was preaching one thing and then si- or, uh, um, Andrew was preaching another. They were preaching one steady word, and that's the logos. It's the written word of God. And for us operating today, it's really, really easy to find. It's just right here. But there's another word, and it's the rhema. And when you see rhema, if you were like reading a Greek Bible, that's more of the spoken word of God. It's the revealed word of God. It's kind of that ongoing thing that he's still speaking. And, and so a couple things about those. Uh, well, I mean, Jesus says that man should not live on bread alone. And when he said that, he said that everyone, should, or, but on every rhema that comes from God. And so Jesus is saying, look, there are ongoing things that the Lord is telling you. And so I want to talk about how the logos and the rhema operate together. And, uh, and so there's a couple rules. One, we need both. And uh, it's not going to surprise anyone at this church, but we want to hold these things in tension. And you've seen maybe Christian communities, you've seen churches, maybe you have seen people run to one side or the other. I just want to be with the Bible. It's all about the Bible, just the word. Don't, no, God doesn't still speak anymore. And the other side, which is like, that was nice for them, but I want the experience. Give me the full experience. If God doesn't meet me greater right now, then it's just not worth it. And, of course, at this church, we're going to say no. We want to hold those things in tension because the logos and the rhema are meant to go together. Now... If you feel like you're hearing God, you're hearing that rhemoth, you feel like you're hearing God's voice, and it contradicts the logos, not a big deal, but you've heard wrong, okay? Doesn't mean we stop listening. We don't want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater, but the thing about the logos and the rhema is they will never contradict. God's never going to tell you something that would contradict his word. So if you feel like the Lord is saying to you, hey, 
you don't have to love your neighbor. We know that's wrong, right? We know that's wrong because in here, it says that we're supposed to love our neighbor. All right, um, I have one, I'm going to illustrate this, because I think the, the Bible plays such a big part in actually healthy, prophetic, like hearing God communities. And I have one episode left in the office, and uh, this is my third time watching it all the way through. I'm probably going to watch it this afternoon. And uh, so I've, I'm a huge fan of The Office, seen it all the way through. Yeah, and I've even watched it in like the last two months. Has anybody here not seen The Office? Or seen Jairus? Sue? Oh, this is so sad. Okay. All right, Sue, this is for you. And this is actually for all of us. You don't have to do anything. But um, let's say that somebody came in here and hosted Michael Scott Trivia, okay? And you might not even know who that is. But you, oh, you don't? This is so sad. Okay, stay focused. Um, so someone comes in here and says, okay, we're going to have a, a trivia on Michael Scott quotes. Who do you think would win, me or Sue? Not, not rhetorical. I would win, guys. I probably would win. Now, would I win? Would I beat you, Sue, because I'm smarter than Sue? No, no. Nope. Would I beat her because I'm just better at memorizing things? No. No. Very good. Tyler, all-star student. Would I beat her because I want to win more? Yes. No, that's not why I would win, but I would want to beat her really badly. I'm so competitive. No, I would, okay, and here's the relevance, I would beat her because I've had more frequent and more recent experience with Michael Scott's voice. Okay? I have had more frequent and more recent experience with Michael Scott's voice. That's the only reason that I would be able to beat her in that trivia. In the same way, if you want to be spiritual, if you want to hear God's voice, I promise you, you'll know what it sounds like more and more the more that you engage with this book. You will know what God's voice sounds like because he's already written it. He's already established it. You're going to start to know what God sounds like the same way that I know what Michael Scott sounds like and some of the things that he said just because I've watched The Office, if for no other reason. And so if we want to be people that hear God's voice clearly, man, rule number one and two and three are that we've got to be engaging with what the thing he's already written is. Okay, that was heavy. We're going to go a little more fun. Um, but it's so good. It's, gosh, it's, I, this is such a big deal for what it means to hear God's voice. But I want to talk about Really quickly, we're going to like overwhelm you with content, and then we're going to talk about how does this change our lives. But I want to talk about 10 ways that people have heard from God, or 10 ways that we can hear from God. And because this is a sermon, they're all going to start with S. <laughs> yeah. So 10 ways that, we, that people hear from God, and maybe you haven't checked all these off. I, I have not. But 10 ways that we can hear from God. If you're a note, note taker, they're all going to start with S. Just line them up. Number one. Not shocking, scripture. It is God's most clear and most accurate form of communication. Number two, and I'm going to say this is actually the least common, uh, at least in my experience, is he comes himself. He comes himself. Jesus comes in the flesh or God comes in the flesh. This is a burning bush moment. This is a Paul on the way uh, gets encountered by Jesus. He actually comes himself. And, uh, and I have not had this happen yet. Um, I have not had this happen. But guys, do you know where the fastest growing church in the world is? Iran. Iran. Good job, Josh. Iran has the, the fastest growing church in the world. And, uh, and two reasons, I think, why. One is they have a really healthy house church network, which is what we've based our house groups off of. We didn't just make it up ourselves. We're copying Iran. 
Uh, number two, and, uh, and you've, I, if you're at all reading like missions journals, which I know we all are, but there's stories all the time of radical extremists in Iran or in the Middle East getting encountered by a man in white. And he introduces the Jesus Messiah. And this man in white starts coming and he's introducing himself to radical extremists and they're turning in an instant. So one of the ways that God speaks is by just coming himself. I think he loves to use us, but every now and then he just comes and does it himself. Number three is saints. Um, and I know this is a pretty Catholic city, right? So I don't mean, um, and I'm serious, I don't mean like St. Peter, St. Paul. What I mean by saints, because the Bible calls anybody that believes in Jesus a saint, uh, is someone, these are your friends. These are people that know you, know God, and know scripture. These are, this is why we advocate for community, because we think through really good friendships, we can actually hear from the Lord. And so big decisions are coming. You should be praying about it, and we should be asking those around us. Um, number four, sleep. My wife's a huge fan of this one. Uh, sleep. And, and I don't know if God speaks more often. This is probably less frequent. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had dreams that you felt like God spoke to you in. But this is uh, at least less frequent probably because we're not on the lookout for it. But one of the reasons that dreams work so well for God to speak to us is because our mind is off. We're not like constant. We, we have no ability to like screen him out with all of the other thoughts. And, uh, and Peter, in Acts 2... He's preaching this big like sermon at Pentecost, and he quotes an Old Testament passage, Joel 2, and he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, when, when God's Spirit comes, which was what was happening at Pentecost, he said, your young, man will see, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And so he said, one of the marks that the Holy Spirit comes is that God's going to give us dreams. And this is crazy. This is just absolutely crazy. But I've, I've seen that happen a lot. I've seen it happen with friends. I had it happen to me a few times, um, like four years ago, I was asleep at night, as I usually do, and I had a dream that I was in a golf cart with one of my best friends, Rich, um, so Rich is in his mid-50s, and his daughter, Katie, and Katie at the time was like 15, she was as rebellious as they get, Rich had just gone through a really rough divorce, and, uh, and so I was in a golf cart with Rich and Katie, and the sense that I got as I was sitting there was, this is right, and this is awkward. And I felt it was awkward because they were usually fighting with each other. And I felt, as I was sitting there, I was like, I don't like sitting here, but I know it's good because I feel like these guys want to fight, but they can't because I'm here and I'm that like awkward third party that's preventing a fight. And the next morning, I woke up and I was like, oh, man, that feels like God's on that, but that also makes zero sense. Uh, the next morning, I went into we just our staff meeting and before Rich was leading it, and he said, hey, before we get started, I, Katie's been awful, um, and he's British. Katie, bro, she's just so awful, bro. And he says bro all the time, like every other word. And he's like, bro, she's just terrible. And he starts going in, and he said, I think I've got to take her to Teen Challenge. And he said, but it's in Tucson. And he said, I am dreading that car ride. She's going to know. She's going to know that I'm taking her there. She's going to try to hurt. I mean, she was, had tried to hurt him before. She's going to freak out. She's going to jump out of the car. He says, I'm dreading the, the seven-hour car ride, but I know I've got to take her. And so I told him my dream, and I was like, Rich, I think I'm, I don't want to, but I think I'm supposed to be there. And, uh, and so seven hours in the car, exactly what I felt. I don't know why it was a golf cart still, <laughs> other than I like golf maybe. And, uh, but I sat in that car for seven hours, and it was not fun, but it was good. 
There was no blow up from Katie. She got the teen challenge. There was a lot of good that happened there. And, and it started with a dream. I would have never, never volunteered, because I'm selfish. I would have never volunteered to get in that car if not for God speaking to me in my sleep. Number four, still small voice. If scripture is most common, I'm going to say this is number two. Uh, there's this passage in 1 Kings 19, a prophet Elijah talking with God. And, uh, and he's, he's asking God for advice. He's asking God to speak to him. And here's what the Lord said. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And this is where we get this idea of that, that whisper, that still small voice. This is that rhema. <clears throat> and uh, if, if scripture is the best way to go about hearing from God, this is like number two, we have access to that voice. We have access to that whisper. And, uh, and one of the big questions that I've heard, especially in this, because people, I mean, most rational people don't want to miss. And they're like, how do I know that this is God? And again, practicing this is like, and actually doing it is the best way, but I have found, and I've heard from other people that I really trust, I have found that God's voice actually sounds like me. It sounds like, I mean, he sounds like my voice. It's not some deep, booming voice. He's not speaking in Hebrew, because that would be worthless for me. He's like speaking in English, and he sounds like me, and he even talks like me. And if you've been on Catherine's, uh, my wife's Instagram at all, you know that God speaks to her a lot through gardening. God has never spoken to me through gardening. Because he's a good father, and that's not the language of my heart. <laughs> the language of my heart is like something totally different. I mean, sometimes he like speaks to me in pie charts. Sue me, okay? I'm like more of that kind of person. He doesn't speak to me through gardening because God is a good father. And it would be disrespectful, or not disrespectful, but it would be wrong or less effective if God said, no, you're going to learn gardening whether you like it or not. So God's voice, and this is, I think, I'd say this is not like absolute truth, but as you're trying to hear God's voice, I would start to try to hear your own voice. But you'll notice it's different when you hear peace, but also conviction. Peace and conviction. Those are going to be, and it might sound like you, but it doesn't have the same level of wisdom that you have. No offense. But it comes in a little bit higher. Number five? Six? I was testing you. Good job. Number six, sin. Um, it's not that God speaks more often when we're in sin, but it's often a time that we're ready to hear from him. And two things that he's probably, hopefully speaking, uh, or at least that you're, can, you're hearing uh, as you're in the midst of sin or in the midst of something that you shouldn't be doing, is both conviction and forgiveness. So God cares enough about you not to leave you where you're at. So he's going to speak to you in conviction, but also you should be hearing that forgiving voice. He speaks to us in the midst of sin. He also speaks to us in the midst, number seven, of suffering. Not that he's speaking more often, but that's often the time that we're like more likely to try to listen. When things are going well, we're less, less in need of his voice, but he speaks to us also in those moments of suffering. Uh, in James, it says that he draws near to the brokenhearted. It's a promise of scripture that in the midst of brokenheartedness, we can actually lean in and God's speaking. Number eight, where my worship people at? Song. 
He speaks to us in song. Did you know that like 10% of this, the Logos, is actually songs, right? The biggest, longest chapter in the Bible is the Psalms. And so this is why worship is not just the thing we do before and after the message. And this is, I mean, we're here for worship. We are here to worship God. This is just a byproduct that Tyler and I get to participate in. But we are here to both worship God and God speaks to us in the midst of worship. It's a really good time to start to quiet your own voice and hear from God. Number nine, also really let not that common. Uh, hasn't happened to me yet, but he often or he sometimes can speak to us through his servants or angels. Um, I have friends that I really trust that have met an angel. Apparently they're like 10 or 12 feet tall. Um, but he sometimes, and you see this all throughout, especially the birth narrative of Jesus, that he sends his servants. And number 10, circumstances. <laughs> Thank you. I did, this, I did this teaching a couple years ago, and someone was like, why didn't you just say situations? And I was like, ah, oh, because it was less funny. <laughs> number 10, circumstances. God sometimes uses your circumstances to get your attention. And I was actually reading, like six years ago, I was reading uh, Dreaming with God, one of the books I told you about. And uh, the author, Bill Johnson, was talking about how God speaks to him sometimes through things that are just happening around him that he has no control over. And I remember closing the book. We were in Orange County because we, uh, Catherine and I, we just drove over there from Vegas one weekend. I closed the book, and I was like, God, I'd love that. That'd be, that, and I said it because it sounded really fun. Like, oh, God, do you want to, like, interact with my circumstances? I'm in for that. And I closed the book, and underneath my seat was, like, a whole pile of change. And this is only six years ago. People didn't have cash still. And it was, like, a weird amount of change, like $1.70. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I picked it up. And uh, Catherine was buying plants because nothing has changed. And, uh, and so I went and got an ice cream cone because nothing has changed. <laughs> and um, I sat down, at, it's like a mile away, but at a different park bench to eat my ice cream cone. And underneath my seat was, again, like 10 or 12 coins, like a strange amount of money. And I was like, that is so weird. And I went and picked Catherine up, opened the trunk to put all the plants in there. And uh, there was like six or seven coins in my trunk. And at this point, I was like, okay, God, are you doing this? And uh, I said, okay, God, whatever you want to say, like, I'm in for it. Tell me whatever you want to say. And so we got home to Vegas. A couple days later, opened up my front door, and there was like six or seven, again, like 85 cents of coins outside our front door. Again, I don't carry change. I don't, we don't ever have change. And I said, all right, God, and this is like a long conversation. Don't think he's just speaking to me like I have a conversation, and it's just... This takes work. But I was like, Lord, is there something you're trying to say? And he said, I want your living situation to change. He said, I want your living situation to change. And two more days go by. I'm opening doors. I'm opening drawer. I mean, change is everywhere. Guys, it's insane. I can't, like, I can't make this stuff up. And uh, actually, I could. But that would like have no integrity. And I'm not. I'm not making it up. <laughs> and so... Change is everywhere, and he keeps saying, I want your living situation to change, and I'm like, Lord, I, and it, I didn't argue, but I was like, we're here in this apartment, we're staying one more year, we might as well just like sign another lease, and then I go to staff meeting the next day, and our church at the time owned a, a big house, and, uh, and the pastor said, uh, the guy that kind of oversaw the house, the, and the pastor of the church, said, hey, these guys are moving out, I feel like one of us should move in. And I immediately knew, because I was fine paying that rent. I was fine where we were. We were kind of happy. It had scorpions in it, but we were mostly happy. And, uh, 
And I immediately knew that's our house because God had been prepping me. It didn't think that I would be the one to move in, let somebody else because rent was super cheap. And so we moved in. At the same time, this new married couple had decided that they were going to move out to Las Vegas. It's Josh and Abby. You might know them. And so they decide to move out. We get this house, and we all live in this massive house together and pay $300 rent. Wasn't it wonderful? Total of $300 rent. Such a huge blessing financially. Such a huge blessing to live with friends. It was so much fun. And it started because God spoke through circumstances. Not just through that still small voice, but he actually cared enough about them, about us, about our finances, about our living situation to do something about it. Guys, God is amazing. All right. That's the overwhelming part. Let's just end right now uh, by talking about how does this change our life. And, uh, and Dallas Willard says the key to hearing God, and I love this, the key to hearing God is friendship with him. Friendship with him. And so in any kind of natural friendship, you might know ways, hopefully you know ways, if not, we're working on our EQ, you know ways to tank a friendship. Just talk about yourself all the time, have no common interest, don't take any interest in what they're doing. And Dallas Willard says the exact same thing about a friendship with God. He says sometimes we find it hard to hear from God when we're not actively involved in the things that are close to his heart. And so one of the things that I feel like when I'm not operating well in this is I'm always asking God just the things that I care about. God, tell me about this situation in my life. But there's a whole kingdom that God's investing in, and he says, look, you wanna, if you want to know more of what I'm saying, engage in the things that I care about. And the more that we start to share interests with God, like his kingdom and bringing his kingdom, the more and more that he has to say about us, and the more and more he has to say to us. And, and this should play out in our life all the time. And if there is one tweak that I'd love to make to my life, and, and maybe you're there, maybe you're not, is I want to start praying about everything. I want to pray about almost every situation in my life because there's a friendship that I have with God that is available. And, uh, and I grew up in the era of like the WWJD bracelet. You guys remember that? And uh, the, the bigger of the tan line that I got there, the more spiritual I felt like I was because it's like I have this on all the time. And, uh, and the older I got, I'm like, well, that's not really changing my life. And now I'm realizing, wait, that was really good. Because I always just thought if any situation I could look down at my wrist, what would Jesus do? And I'm realizing more and more, at least through these books and through uh, John 10, that that's possible. That in every situation we can actually lean in and say, God, what do you have to say about that? What do you have to say about this situation? And we don't have to ask him about everything because some things he's already spoken about, right? You should pray about what house you're supposed to live in, but you don't have to pray about paying your electrical bill. The Bible says that we should pay whatever is owed. So there's different differences in that, but there are so many things, and you know I'm a huge fan of this book, but there are so many things that this book does not specifically address. What are you supposed to post on Instagram, especially this week? What are we supposed to... Uh, how are we supposed to treat one specific person? How are we supposed to spend our money? There's principles in here, but am I supposed to buy that? Am I supposed to invest my time there? Am I supposed to do this with my neighbor? And there are so many opportunities. There's so many decisions that we can stop and ask, and the king of the universe, and this is crazy, but the king of the universe actually wants to engage in that. He's not burdened by our conversation. He actually wants to speak to us, and with us. And this is probably just as hard for me as anybody because this is just not for achievers, but we have to like slow down. We have to get quiet. 
we ask him, and then we wait. And sometimes we wait, and sometimes we wait. But we wait because his voice is worth it. His voice is worth it. And uh, last thing, I, if you're in public speaking at all, um, one of the things they tell you is if you want to influence a group of people, you tell them, uh, paint them a picture of a preferred future, and then tell them what you're selling can get them there. And so I want you to think about your preferred future, and here's what I'm selling, okay? Your preferred future depends on two things. One are the outside forces that you can't control, but the second one are all of the decisions that you're going to make because it's constant course correction. So if we're just thinking about those decisions, I just want to ask the question, because I was asking this of myself. When I'm angry, do I trust myself or do I trust God to help me respond in the way that I should? When I have large decisions to make, do I trust my wisdom alone or am I better off if I invite God's wisdom into that? When I have large um, relational needs, is it better for me to try to navigate that on my own or is it better to invite in the God of the universe? And there's opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And that's the heart of the gospel because one of the hard things about this is it's just slower and you give up control. And, uh, and this is in your notes. Hearing God requires giving up control, but so does the gospel. And so there's so much of this, and we just finished a series called Open Handed, but that's where we're at with this too, where hearing God, if we really want to do it well, we've got to be open to anything that he'll say. And uh, as we start to engage with his voice, I think he's asking us more and more and more to just look like this. We're opening up our hands. We're saying, God, whatever you want to do, and we're trusting, right? We're trusting that he's a good father, and that he actually has our best for him. He has our best in mind. So if the band wants to come up, um, we're going to just practice real quick. Got uh, some worship to do. And uh, as always, we have the Lord's table uh, front and back. Um, you can kneel. Uh, there's always people back in these little behind the panels to pray. And specifically, I know people would love to pray and hear on behalf of you. What's going on in your life? Ask the Lord yourself, but also... Feel free to ask for prayer from someone because I know people here want to pray with you. And the last thing I'll say is, um, as we do sing this song, I want you to engage your hearts in worship, but I also want you to think, what's the most pressing thing going on in your life right now? And the beautiful thing is, there's lots of different things. Nobody has one overarching thing. We all are engaging with different things, but what's the most pressing thing going on in your life right now? And I want you to ask the Lord one specific question about that. I want you to ask a specific question, and I want you to just wait. And I want us to listen. And then, of course, we want to we wanna be obedient to whatever he says. But let's take some time. Again, we hope to do this Monday through Saturday as well. But let's take some time on this Sunday to practice hearing his voice. Because I know one thing. He really wants to speak. He really wants to speak, and he's been longing for this time to have a conversation with you. And so, Jesus, we invite your voice. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak? Yeah, we need your wisdom. And we thank you that you long to speak with us and to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.